Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Over the past several years, there has been an explosion of popular interest in genealogy research. According to reporting in a PBS program called Secrets in Our DNA, more than 12 million Americans have sent their DNA to be analyzed by companies like 23andMe and AncestryDNA. Many do this in hopes of solving decades-long mysteries in the lifelong search for clues to family origins and a better understanding of where we come from and what makes us who we are. Have you ever wondered about your ancestors and what called them here? What did they leave behind? What hardships did they endure? What traumas did they survive? For some who embark on this research, locating answers to these questions is sufficiently satisfying. For others still, it fuels a greater hunger nourished only by the wisdoms of the rhythm of walking where they once walked, those who came before you. The late poet and author John O'Donohue reminded us that, guided by longing, belonging is the wisdom of rhythm. Our modern hunger to belong is particularly intense An increasing majority of people feel no belonging. We have fallen out of this rhythm with life. The art of belonging is the recovery of the wisdom of rhythm. Our story in this two-part episode special introduces us to a man who fell out of the rhythm with life and felt no belonging. And one day, he went searching fueled by a longing to know where he came from and who came before him. What began as a research project evolved to become an ancestry pilgrimage, 12 years in the making, for one man and his entire family tribe. We are reminded in his story of the power of pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is defined as a journey, often into an unknown or foreign place where a person goes in search of news or expanded meaning about their self, others, nature, or higher good. It can lead to a personal transformation, after which the pilgrim returns to their daily life. This is a story about a personal and ancestral transformation for a man and his family. That man is my brother, Brian. And this is his story.
Okay. How do you want to get started? <laughs> it's your podcast. <laughs> it's your episode. How do I want to get started? I don't know. We could talk about my... What do you want to start with first? Pilgrimage or the book? Let's let's start with some definitions. Good. Let's do definitions. Let's define some stuff. Okay. Um, so we are here to talk about ancestry and pilgrimage. Yes. So let's start with the word pilgrimage. Yeah. What does that word mean to you? And what do you think it means to most people? To me, it's about connection, deep soul work. It is very much about diving deeper into not just only your soul, but how your soul is intertwined with the soul of the family. And it can be pilgrimage of anything. I mean, I'm just saying family because that's what I have experienced. My first pilgrim ever was through an ancestry lens. So, And most people would know a pilgrimage more in a religious capacity, mm -hmm. going somewhere, um, going along the way somewhere. Right. And, you know, an interesting thing I discovered in researching recently was the word pilgrim actually comes from its, its, its root, peregrine, which actually means foreigner in Latin. And so it's really interesting, this aspect that that is described as far as a pilgrim and a pilgrimage is um, the sense that you come back a different person mm -hmm. from a pilgrimage. So you were foreign to yourself. Right. Yes. So if you take that concept and you put it with ancestry yeah. or ancestral, that's where it gets pretty interesting. Yeah. From the, from, from my perspective with the ancestry is that what we have not remembered or what we're not remembering of people, lineage, ancestors, you know, not as a bad thing, but just what we've forgotten about who we are and who we come from as what a collective. What is us. Correct. Because yeah. it's forgotten. And in my sense, it's, you know, going to a place that was the original origin starting point and reconnecting to the land, which then also connects to the soul of it, which helps open it all up. So in a sense, not knowing who I am, but trying to find myself a trust in trusting in the ancestry and the soul of it all to then allow myself the room to be able to open up to myself through the process. When you say that aspect of, and these are my words, but going to understand who you are or when you're, when you're challenged with, I don't know who I am, mm. would, would you say it's accurate that anyone who embarks on a pilgrimage like this is going to come back and realize they're a bit of a foreigner. So they're going to be, they're going to be a bit foreign to themselves to go back to the original yeah. definition of mm -hmm. and, and root origin um, of the word pilgrim. You're a, it's my belief. You're a foreigner when you start it and you're a foreigner when you come back. It's, it's, I would like to unpack that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like for me, I started, I didn't even know I was going to do it. I just, what I knew was that, I was living a life that had been repeated several times over and over again. I was in a 12 year career, 11 year, 10 year at that point of retail management. And I was doing the same thing over and I was getting the apartment. I was getting the money. I was getting the experience. I was paying the bills and going out and drinking and having with friends and doing the whole thing that life as we know it is supposed to be to establish status or acceptance or 
success, right? And um, I just, there was so much missing. I didn't know what the whole was. I just knew that I had found a passion, which was ancestry genealogy through ancestry.com. I was researching our family tree for the 11 to 12 years. I was in the same time when I left college in 07, I started it right there and then and kept on and off, on and off through the whole process. And by the time it got really big, I had this passion of finding the, the answer, finding out who these people were, where they came from. So where am I located? Who is this ancestor? What did they do? The passion of that kept getting more and more strong, but yet myself living in a huge city, doing a job, doing the hamster wheel, the two were completely not connecting. Is it fair to say, as you learned more about the people you came from in your current situation and conditions, you found yourself getting more lost as to who you were? Yes, and I was doing the same thing. So I was doing the ancestry and the genealogy at the same time as doing meditation with with the group that I was in trying to do kind of soul work. Not even really knowing that I was doing soul work, but doing like, you know, a meditative thing with friends and building that kind of um, meditation uh, strength. And, and that just was not combined. Like it was such a, I was leaving two different lives. Honestly, right. I really felt like from this job and the drinking, all this stuff, and then making time for the meditation and then going back and doing that and then making time for the ancestry. And it, it, there was so much disconnect between the three that like, I didn't feel whole. Right. I felt completely an imposter really. At like, I'm living this life in this city and doing this stuff that does not connect to the things that I'm passionate about at all. There's a few things you said in there that I would like to um, dig into. One is you said soul work. Mm -hmm. For those that are listening that maybe don't know what that is or haven't encountered that, can you can you uh, define that a little bit or explain that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, um, I'll try. <laughs> my, my understanding for myself, soul mm -hmm. work. So whenever... I found like, if I think about the ancestry work that I was doing, the genealogy work, I have an invested interest, obviously, with the passion that I have in it. I also have a deep, like need to find something. And and I wanted to find out where I came from, right? It started with Germany. I wanted to know where the curse name came from. And soul work started with the meditation. But then it what ended up happening with the meditation is that you had to slow down. You had to slow down very you had to become very slow and you had to really allow things to surface. So in the sense, soul to me is what, when people talk about your soul is you know speaking to you or when you sometimes get feelings that come from either connected to a passion or not, but it's so random that you're like, where did that come from? To me, soul is that, is that there's the soul speaks to you in a way that gets you to remind things uh, that it really truly wants you to look at. And that work involved with meditation was I had to slow down in order to be able to hear it. I had to hear it. Because otherwise it was too noisy. I was, and I was in a noise. I was in a complete noise tunnel with the city and the job and the success and doing all this stuff and go, go, go. By the time I got to the meditation, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is, this is how it feels to relax. And then I can start to, to help with like hit trauma and, and understand that like when I have uh, feelings of things that I get that surge, that feeling that I get the same thing I get when I'm in the ancestry, looking up somebody's profile or like, or finding something, it's the finding of it. That's mm -hmm. like, 
oh, I've hit something interesting. Let's spend some time with it. But then I'd have to go back to work. (laughs) I didn't, there was enough space for it. And so it takes time. It takes patience and uh, a deep commitment to be able to say, what is coming up right now? Yeah. And I'd I'd like to like to kind of jump off that point and then come back to the, to the soul work. You mentioned that you had been doing this work since 2007 Mm -hmm. when you graduated college. It's now 2020, right? That's a long time. (laughs) So, and we're going to get into this. We're going to unpack the actual pilgrimage and what that was like, but I'm curious why that point in your life, do you think you started into the ancestry research was it because it was a transition in itself, like the end of college? Was it something that that you knew, or or was it I, something I th- else? I think I was getting. I think my relationship with our dad was. I, I had come out of college. I had done the expectations of what my our parents right, and now I need and then I needed to get a job and I need to go into the real world. But there was like I, I was drawn to just like I was drawn to the German language. It was like my dad brought out a German dictionary and all of a sudden, like the words just clicked with me. I Something and you started to think about the cursed. Right. And I wonder where that name comes from. Just, it just came alive to me when we started talking, I started talking to my dad and asking more questions. It started with cursed. It started with the last name. And it was like my ability to pick up German really quickly. And like, there's gotta be something else there. Innately in you. Innately in me. Like, right. I don't know how much German I have in me. I didn't know how much German I had in me. I didn't know that that would have happened to me at, you know, age 11, 12, that German would just click. I'd learn Polish. I learned Russian. I mean, this was the only language that I felt like electricity go through me. And that came back in 2007 when it was like, I am really good at picking up the language and the accent, but I want to know where cursed comes from is where my intention was. Do you think it's possible and some people believe this that there are aspects of our our genetic code our psyche and i use the word psyche because that's the word for soul in greek that come to life in these moments like you said it was electricity going through your body so so if someone for example has let's say russian uh lineage or genealogy Mm -hmm. and may not know that much about it but the first time they pick up um, Anna Karenina or, mm-hmm. you know, or some, some classic, something in them comes to life. Yeah. Is it too much to assume that it, there's something in us that kind of like lights up or, or turns on? I don't, I don't think it's too much to assume at all. I think if we're talking about soul, yeah. I think the soul knows what, what visually, what felt sense, what heard. I've heard many, many different ways people have come across things just like what I've described. Um, John Butler, a good writer that I always admire and he's ASMR. It's amazing. Um, He describes his mother being Russian Mm -hmm. and him having a deep soul connection with the Russian people, not because they even grew up in Russia. He grew up in Britain. So by the time that he got on a bus in like the middle of Russia to go teach kids to speak English, he was on a bus with a bunch of local Russians and he wept. He was so happy. That he was with these people. And he had never felt that way with anybody. He felt a reconnection. He felt a reconnection. And I think through his mother, in the lineage of that that Russian soul, was a reminder to him, like his soul was speaking to him, saying like, there's a pull. He felt a pull to go back to Russia. Yeah. I felt a pull to go investigate Germany. And and to to kind of bring it back to, to that time for you, 
this this I don't I don't say this lightly. Thirteen years of genealogy and ancestry research is a huge, huge undertaking and endeavor. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, was it in the beginning? Was it clear to you that you were, as you said, filling a hole? Like, was there an aspect of there's a part of me that I can't reach or I can't access, or there's a part of me that I don't have a puzzle piece for, or was it the the drive of the research, like you said, the finding of the answers, mm-hmm. or was it both? I, I, I don't want to necessarily make it binary here. I think the starting level of it, I really wanted to connect to my father. Okay. I, I think I didn't quite, I wasn't admitting that. I didn't, I think it was deep, like it was deep in me. I think there was a sense of it that could, that's why I kept asking him questions. Like, you know, yeah, we're really Irish on my mom's side and even his mother's side, but it was the German mystery that I was like, our last name is so German. And I kept asking, kept asking. And I think we had never connected on, on conversations that were in depth. And so I kept, when I kept asking about his father and, was, and the stories that he would tell me and stuff like that, it, that's what kind of ignited that. And I think originally when I started, I was like, wow, this is so great. Like I am talking more to my dad now, but I find that really funny because we sat him and I sat together when I was 12, when we were about to move to Russia or uh, Germany and he pulled out the, the dictionary and we instantly connected on German. So in that moment, when you were 12, it's almost like the, the electricity of the moment happened for both of you. Mm-hmm. And you remember that. Remember it clearly. Very clearly. Yeah. It was the Berlitz tapes and him playing them and saying, you know, l- listen to that word. And there was something about the accent. There was something about the accent. And I mean, I, I was 12. I don't, yeah. how could that, how could that zing through me? I, like, I didn't know what that meant. I just thought I was connecting with my dad, mm-hmm. which was really important to me being the youngest of six. I, I really wanted that attention. The ancestry portion was one way to go. I think I can find answers so that I can tell him where he comes from. Interesting. So you saw an opportunity to continue down this path not just for yourself, but also for him. In a subconscious way in the beginning. I think, I, I, I actually never probably have said that out loud. <laughs> now, but I mean, truthfully, it did start with that kind of connection with him and I, that my dad loved to talk about, he loves to talk about this type of stuff, like any stories about his father and things like that. And I saw a way in. Ancestry.com was super accessible. And I, I just kept, the, the researcher in me just explode like it just came out I did you did you know early on 12 through your teenage years maybe college that there was a researcher in you um, I knew that there was a writer in me but okay. I didn't know there was a researcher not till ancestry.com okay and and for those that I, I'm pretty sure most people probably listening know what ancestry.com yeah. is but Unpack that a little bit. You you jumped on it. Jumped on ancestry.com in two thousand seven. Yeah. What was it like those days? And then we can sort of evolve to yeah. where it's at today because I think that in itself is a fascinating story. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's completely exploded. I mean, it's nothing. I wouldn't even recognize it from two thousand seven. It's like being on Windows ninety five versus like a Mac OS Big Sur. Like mm-hmm. the. The platform itself, super stripped down, super, you know, um, you put in the names, it, you, you can put in pictures, birth dates, all that stuff, all the, all the nuts and bolts of it. You can build your tree. The thing that, by the way, I should say, I knew nothing about ancestry records, genealogy records, nothing. If somebody said, here's the census record, I'm like, what is that? I had no idea. I, 
I went in this so naive. I had no clue about any records. And every time that I would search name, it would come up with a little leaf. And so Ancestry would basically hint you. So there's a hint on this person. You click on it. Here's all the records that show up with this name. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is so cool. Like, And click on each record. Little did I know I'd be diving into the depths of how you can get it wrong so quickly. Because what Ancestry.com offers you is access to all records and any mention of that name and any record, right? It's like a Boolean search. It's a Boolean search. Yeah. Their, their fine-tuning of what you get was not great in 2007. I mean, you could, you could narrow it down to what type of record you wanted. Great. But um, location is now just started. Like, you can look, do it by location. But um, you had to really be careful. Because there were several times where I was like, gosh, I've gotten way back. This is so cool and completely wrong. That, that's when I started to realize, oh, I actually really have to start looking at these records. And I have to really look over the records and fine tooth. And I actually have to take notes to make sure I'm on the right track. Which is interesting <clears throat> if, I can just, if I can just stop there for a second. Because when you said take notes, you know, for those that are listening and not, obviously not able to see, you literally, you, you made the gesture of holding the pen. Mm -hmm and scribing. And writing ancestors' names. And writing them. Talk to me about that, because just as you described that, I felt like the, I felt the tingling. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a power in transcribing mm -hmm. and writing yeah. and moving these things off a digital format into <clears throat> a, I don't want to say analog, but a physical format for you. So am I, am I accurate mm -hmm. in that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, elaborate I, on that a little bit. I didn't bit. know that in the beginning because when I was just going through and then finally when I was like researching through census records and I'm writing down, you know, Fritz Kirst, you know, our, our second time's great grandfather and I'm, and his uh, children and it's one of seven, you know, all, all this, it's, I'm trying to get a pattern. I'm trying to find out where these people, how did they get from the 1900 census to the 1910? How is there one person missing of <laughs> both records? But the power in writing the names down is that you're trying to get it clear. At that point, I didn't know like how powerful putting a name on pen to paper was on honoring their name. Writing their name out several times creates an energy in itself. Again, didn't know this at all. I mean, I only only past couple of years did I realize how much energy I was producing or accessing or even manifesting. Generating. Generating. Yeah. Um, or allowing them to have, you know, presence and awareness and even being seen through records. I mean, just their name. I'm, I was learning names years and years and years through this process that I didn't even know where, if they were accurate. And I had to, my search would go from a size of a quarter to like the size of like a bank, like, mm -hmm. and, and the amount of, and I'd have to stop and I'd have to say, focus on one person and let's, Let's see where that leads you, right? Because you can just go, you can go in five billion directions. And 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 I don't want to lose this this thread here, but I do want to just say that the other thing that came to me was you had mentioned very very casually there that the some of these records were being seen, viewed, witnessed, read for the first time in years, decades, if not centuries. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is, is, is pretty powerful. It's almost like what, what comes to mind is, you know, those shows that, that when they're doing the investigation and there's been someone who's lost and they're trying yeah, to find someone, like CSI right? And, yeah. And, like, yeah. like a, a, a victim or a missing person. Yeah. And those that are really doing that research and trying to find that person, they, they speak their name. Yeah. They say it, yeah. they write it down. Yeah. They treat it like sacred. 
mm -hmm. um, as part of the process. Yeah. Was that what it felt like initially for you? Or is that something that evolved? It evolved, for okay. sure, it evolved. Because in the beginning, when you realize that you have a researcher in you, you're literally overwhelmed. You're like yeah. inundated. So you have to get really, you have to declutter, you have to get organized, you have to, like I had to build the researcher. Like it, I had to build that. <clears throat> but I didn't deviate from writing their names down and trying to get like, so, uh, okay, this person was here and like mapping it out on paper. Like it's a mind one, map. Yeah, and it's one thing to have it in a digital tree, but if I'm in the wrong direction and I've gone too far, because Ancestry lets you connect digitally pretty quickly, click, 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 and you've built your tree. Mm -hmm. I needed to put stuff on paper to be like, okay, where are the missing pieces? Right? Which limb of the tree? Yeah. <laughs> and where did this person go? Like right. they just dropped off the radar. That's really interesting. And I would get the funny thing about that you bring it with the names is that I would write these names down. And some of the names, like Carl August Kurz, for example, when I stumbled upon him through his newspaper article about him committing suicide in Pennsylvania, no idea that he was part of our family. But I, there were gaps there, and I was fixated. On it. I could feel the energy of, I'm not going to let go of this answer for a long time. Like, I'm, this is it. Because there was such... It gripped you. Yeah, every time that I would hit a point with an ancestor where I was like, there's something more, but there wasn't something record more. It was like, I was obsessed. I was literally like, I've got, I know there's something. I can feel it. I can feel there's something here and I'm gonna find it. It's just gonna take some time. And so I would write down their name, like and have it in this, this notebook that I had that is constantly like rewritten, like, okay, let's do it again, 1910, he's messing, okay, again. And then try to get myself back on track. It was like an honoring obsessive. Yeah. Which again, I didn't see that wrapping together until I did the sort of um, family constellation work. So that's a new term. <laughs> We're defining as we research. Yeah. New leaf. Yeah, new leaf. Click, click. Little hint. <laughs> what is family constellation? So family constellation was developed by Bert Hellinger, who, and I, I'm not going to do this justice, I'll try, but Bert Hellinger... Uh, after World War II, he came up with kind of a counseling therapy way of dealing with trauma where he would help individuals kind of honor family, honor the trauma that has happened in kind of a physical form. People would sit in a circle, um, the individual who is setting up the constellation. So they would be guided to pick individuals from the circle to represent their ancestry. And these people didn't know each other, that nobody knew each other. This was just kind of all trust. And the constellation work is in the movement of those people around the space, but also what they felt and what was coming up. And things that are revealed in this type of therapy are very eye-opening. And they people say things that the, uh, the person who's setting up the constellation is like, how did you know that type of stuff? Because usually these are strangers to each other. Yeah, always strangers. It's never set up to where people know each other. People just come together. They answer the call from a setup like Lisa Iverson does. She sets it up. People come. They Somebody pays to do their constellation. And people out of the kindness of their heart are, you know, are selected based on the person setting up the constellation. I hope I'm doing this justice. To, be, <laughs> to be, as I understand it, to be a representation, a physical standing representation mm -hmm. of a part of, for lack of a better term, their tree, or in this case, their constellation. Yeah. Okay. And it helps, what it does is it, it puts it in physical form. So it's like you're putting, you're setting up 
a, a play almost, if you think about it, you're right. setting up a stage. Mm -hmm. And these people who are not your actual ancestors, who are representing the, the, the physical form, they start to feel the energy of, of these ancestors. And, you know, a lot of people don't believe it, believe it, but um, it was what connected me from the physical ancestry tree and the energy I was producing and the witnessing that I was doing to the actual soul work of it. It literally like it locked into place like a seatbelt click. <clears throat> okay. So it's interesting that you describe the, the physical manifestation and the setting of the stage, because what comes to mind for me is you were just describing before the digital representation of a, of a, of a ancestry tree is you can go off and off and off, but you actually don't know where you are or you don't know your boundaries yeah. and you don't, you don't know the limbs and the roots. And that's why you said it was really important for you to keep papers because, mm -hmm. you know, the image I'm getting in my mind is you, you lay them down on the floor yeah. and you sort of see how many degrees away. Okay. I'm over here. Yeah. And I actually, the, the, the dates don't make sense. They should probably be over here. What record am I missing? Right. <laughs> was, was, or is the family constellation a version of that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, now I'm understanding. Yeah. It's the way of narrowing in. Right. So, Narrowing the canvas. Narrowing the bit. canvas. So it's, yeah. you know, like you said, the tree can go, you know, crazy amounts of length. Um, my interest was always to stay within like father bloodline, mother bloodline, right? Uh, I said I wanted to do my, the very first family constellation I had ever even been to, I decided to do my own. <laughs> I so you jumped right in. I jumped right in head first. I was like, let's do it. Okay, there was something pulling me. Because you knew... I th this someone, was going to be part of, this was going to be another canvas. I knew it was going to be another helpful piece. That's what I was starting okay. off as. Okay. Did not know that there, again, at that point I was thinking, I have an ancestry. I wasn't thinking of the energy piece. Yeah. I, I, I was just a researcher. You're I was, researcher. I was like trying to get the answers. Right. And then I show up to the location and, you know, sitting like you and I are sitting and Lisa just asked the question. She said, what's going on? And it's like, there's so much trust in the room and there's so much vulnerability, soul work. This is where the soul comes in. The soul has a way of just the words that come out. I mean, I, I even said to her like, I don't even know why I said that, right? It's that type of kind of trust and channeling almost. It's not like you're in a meditative state in some Buddhist monk place. It's, you're just trusting the space. She sets up a very, very safe place and she trusts and she asks very vulnerable, like questions. You're in a vulnerable state. You say something that comes out I'm talking about my uh, mother's father, his side of the family. And then she's like, okay, let's have you represent. So please pick somebody from your mother's side. So pick, pick your mother, pick your father, pick yourself, which is really interesting. So I pick them and I get to place them in the circle. I'm like, okay. And at this one, I'm shaking. I don't know why I'm shaking. It's There's just such an energy in the room that's like, well, first of all, you have all these people in a circle looking at you, right? Just... It's pretty well, penetrative, it's penetrative. <laughs> no matter how you look at it. But there's something else there that's very revealing, yeah. that we're in a space that's about to reveal something. Yeah. I place them, and then she's, she, I sit back down in my chair. She gets up, and she, okay, move about the people who are representing my family. Move about. Tell me what you're feeling. First thing out of my representative of my mother is I feel like I'm going to fall over. My knee is not stable. No. So this is, this is, a, this is a person... Representing representing your mother, mother, who was still alive at that point, but still, who's never met your mother, nope. never met you before this moment. No. Nope. Okay. Proceed. And she says she's going to fall over on one side, and that her knee is unstable. 
Now, as you know, our mother had knee issues and had many surgeries, and she was always unstable on one side of her knee. Freaked me out. I was like, okay, here we are. <laughs> this is a little revealing. And then my, I purposely put my, my, the representatives of my father and mother back to back because I really wanted to see what that would do. They stepped away from each other. My dad couldn't look at me. And I looked over at the representative that was me, was on the floor in a ball, like literally crying. Like fetal position? Fetal position crying. And I could feel what this person, like, it's like, it's like looking at myself. It was the weirdest. It's like the energy that she was producing out was like, how does she see that? How does she see that emotion? It's mirror. It's mirroring. It's mirroring me. In, it's, in the most mysterious way. It was the, it was so, it's like without me even thinking it was, ha- that's, it I, was no thought. Mm-hmm. There was no thought. It was just what I, the energy of the soul is the only way I can describe it. And you were, you were a spectator to all of this. Spectator. Happening. Yeah. I, I wasn't even really allowed to say much. I mean, I could, but there wasn't reason to. It was just manifesting. And so what's coming up for you? She would ask for what's coming up for you. And, you know, you're learning information. You're And it's not like they know your family or they're going to say some factual thing. It's literally body work. It's like, I feel this in my body. I feel that I feel like I can't approach her or I feel like I can't look at my son, you know? That's the type of information you get, which is really interesting. And then she had me select my grandparents on my mom's side and then their parents. This is where it got really interesting. My great grandparents died and our great grandparents died in a flood in Connecticut. And they, um, I, she had me represent two people. Those two people representing my great grandparents laid them down on the floor because they had passed, right? And after the session was done, right, we wrapped everything up. There was great revealing. I can't remember much of it because it was so crazy. It's like a pretty powerful experience. <laughs> Very, so. you know, the time goes by really fast and you don't remember a lot. So right. I wish I had written some stuff down, but people usually don't do that. So at the end of it, the woman who represented our great grandmother said that she had never had the experience that she had ever. And she had been coming to family constellations for a little bit. She said that both her parents died in the flood. In real life. In real life. Now, I, I at this point, I was like levitating off my chair. <laughs> How is it possible that I chose out of a group of 30 or 40 people, the one woman to represent my great grandmother whose parents died in a flood? The same way her... Right. Family members died yes. in a flood. How is that? How is that? I, I cannot explain it. Right? Some things can. <clears throat> and it's even like the people you select. It's right. the, the soul, the family soul. That's where I, I really connected it was this wasn't just my soul being like, oh, yeah, but, you know, this is what I want to pick this, pick that. This is no longer just the researcher trying no. to find out answers. I mean, so, I'm getting chills. That's so, how. yeah, which is great. And, and <clears throat> I want to go back to. Yeah. You said, and then the seatbelt clicked. Like yeah. it's a very powerful image. Wow. So talk to me about what the seatbelt was clicking you in for. Like okay. you're about to go. If that that imagery is very yeah, it's pertinent for the reason being that when we hear that, when people see that, they know I'm going somewhere. I'm about to uh, be in in movement. <laughs> I'm about to um, embark. Yeah. And that's, we associate that with being on a plane, being mm-hmm. in a car, being on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Which one of these was next for you? It was definitely, so I was driving down from after the session and I'm still like, I just can't believe that I just experienced this. And I'm like halfway through my drive back to Seattle 
And it was like, it was again, like that electricity with the German. It was like, it was like it, it, the seatbelt click was, I heard it in my head. It was like, this is my way out. This is my way out of this hellish life that I don't want to do anymore. This is my ticket back to myself, back to everything. And I kept hearing like this over and over. And I, w- and I started getting chills again. And I started to say the words out loud. I just started to keep saying them out loud in the car, being like, this is my way out. This I've got to do this. And then I kept saying, I got to do this, I got to do this. And then it just appeared to me like a clear as day was, I'm going to go back to the places that my ancestors are from, and I'm going to find myself through this. And and I'm going to quit my job, and I'm I'm not going to do this. I can't do this life. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to give up my apartment. I'm, I The whole thing just fell on. It was like it just like I said, clicked like a seatbelt. Yeah. And I remember being in such shock that I had come to this point. And, and this only ever happened one other time when I lost my job in DC, where they told, when I was in the conference room, they told me that I had lost my job. Immediately, like a second after they said, you're no longer employed, I said, I can leave DC now. It was like instant. It was like, that was like a moment where it was like, I can now go to the West Coast because it's where I've always wanted to be. It was like it was like that. It was like I have now just witnessed the physical tree that I've been eyeing and working like a muscle with physical reality, but of a soul. I've now witnessed the family soul energy work. And the two just literally came together. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what it all means. Like this is this is more powerful. Like this as a tool is not just answers for your comp. This is bigger. This can change things. This can move stuff. It changed you that night. I was terrified that this had come this way because it's it's. It, I mean, you're going to do what? <laughs> so 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 tell us tell us a little bit about that. You 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 walked through that pretty quickly. You said <sighs> I'm going to quit my job. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to give up my apartment. Yeah, it's too expensive. I'm going to give up this life that I kept repeating over and over again, which was you know go out with people, drink, have the lifestyle, you know. Uh, apartment and the everything that whole kind of city lifestyle and, I, and I'm, gonna I'm gonna go. find myself I'm, I'm gonna, gonna find I'm myself. going to literally I need to know who I am I have a passion for ancestry I just witnessed the family soul I've got to find out where this takes me I've wow. got to find out who I am because if I don't I will keep doing this yeah. I will keep going through the hamster wheel so so this is what's <clears> really <throat> what's really interesting to me is this is where for those listening, this is where the pathway is a little different than maybe what people expect when they go into ancestry research. And this is where the pilgrimage part of it begins. So buckle up. <laughs> exactly. Because it had power at that point. I I had now just merged two things yeah. that now had an energy that, that was bigger than what I ever thought it could be. Yeah. From the first time he felt the pull of ancestral language, to the first time logging on to Ancestry.com, to his first family constellation, Brian's path had taken him on a multi-decade journey in self-discovery aided by genealogy research.
With 12 years of research completed and some life-changing soul work to nudge him, this next chapter became about jumping without a net. Journey with us on part two of this story as Brian describes the sacred movement, mystery, and mysticism of ancestry pilgrimage and the calling to help others heal their family soul. <laughs>